Please pray with me. I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. The prayer that Paul offered to the church in Ephesians. Ephesus, the political and religious center of the providence of Asia. It was a seaport city known for its wealth and the site of a famous temple and statue to the Greek pagan goddess Artemis, which was considered at that time one of the seven wonders of the world. Paul, Paul the apostle, Paul the evangelist, Paul the teacher, Paul the intercessor. It is noted that Paul wanted to enter the province of Asia in Acts 16, verse 6, to teach and preach the word, but was prevented from doing so by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't his time. But in Acts 18, 19, we see Paul make his first visit to Ephesus. He only stayed there for a brief period of time. He had companions with him, Aquila and Priscilla, who had followed him from Corinth. They remained as he moved on to continue the work in other places. They worked in Ephesus. He promised he'd return, but only when God said it would be all right for him to do so. So later he returned, and it's notated in Acts 19. He stayed in Ephesus for several years. He used it as a center, a center for the missionary work that he did in the area. Paul knew the people in Ephesus. He knew them very well. Yet when he wrote this letter while being imprisoned in Rome, he didn't address any of the leaders that he knew. He wrote the letter to the congregations in Ephesus, to the people that he knew so well. The letter is full of prayer, of hope, of instruction and encouragement. In chapter 1, 
verse 3 through 14, Paul opened the letter with thanksgiving for the faith the believers had in Jesus Christ and their love for one another, of being blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ through God's love. Paul spoke of how he and the believers had been redeemed by the love of Christ and God's unmerited favor. In chapter 2, verses 11 through 22, he reminded them of no longer being strangers, no longer being foreigners, but fellow citizens, fellow believers, members in the household of God, with Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, Christ himself being our peace. And when we moved into chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, and Paul opens the prayer saying, I bow the knee before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. The congregation wasn't alone. They were not separate. They were together. They were one family through Christ. As I read this, three things stood out for me. It was a prayer for the congregations in Ephesus during that period of time, but it's also a prayer for us, for the churches here. We are not alone. We're not separate. We're together. We're one family through Christ. Paul said, you will be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit. As he said it to the people in Ephesus then, he's speaking to us now. We will be strengthened in our innermost being as we align ourselves with God's will through the Holy Spirit. What does that mean, aligning ourselves? I believe it means walking in obedience to God's purpose with faith. That obedience that creates stability in our own lives as we pledge to pray and work for the permanent transformation of the city that we live in, in the churches we call home. And Paul said, Christ will dwell in our hearts through faith as we are being rooted and grounded in love. Will we commit everything unto God? Will we commit our talents and our gifts? Will we commit our relationships? Making the commitment to trust and to learn to forgive the offenses that others might create in us and become aware of the obstacles that can cause us to lose sight of our purpose and release them and walk in the love of Christ every day. It's an ongoing process. It was an ongoing process for the church of the Ephesians. It's an ongoing process for us today. Proverbs 3, 5, 6 in the New Century Version says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart 
in that area of the mind and the emotions and the will. And don't depend on your own understanding. Remember the Lord in all that you do, and he will give you success. The third piece that stood out for me was, you will have power to comprehend with all the saints and know the love of Christ, to be filled with all the fullness of God. Will we pray for the power to comprehend and know the deep abiding love of Christ so that we will be filled with all the fullness of God? Will we learn to speak words of life and not death? Will we pray and work for the inner healing of the wounds in ourselves, in our families, in our churches, in our neighborhoods, in Metro Richmond itself, and beyond? Can we trust that the Holy Spirit is able to accomplish abundantly and far more than we can ask or imagine throughout the church and throughout the generations? Those of you that come here often know that we pray for Metropolitan Richmond every day. 7 in the morning, 12 noon, and 6 in the evening. And on Tuesdays, we have service at 5.30. We pray every day for Richmond. Prayer is so important. It breaks strongholds. The world we live in today is in a lot of turmoil, lots of stress. We hear it all the time in the news. Sometimes we think twice before opening the newspaper because we don't know what we might see next. Someone's child being shot. Some decision being made that's contrary to the love of Christ. Decisions not considering the well-being of the students that go to schools right here in metropolitan Richmond. Children being separated from their parents. The land itself in rebellion, fires, the weather sometimes seem to be out of control. The healing of our land, of our people, is needed, and prayer is required nonstop. Second Chronicles 7, 14 says, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. I also hear Paul in this. If my people will bow the knee before the Father and pray, wherever you may be, wherever you may live, in whatever church, 
you call home if my people will bow the knee. We are one people. We come from different traditions, but we are one with one Lord. Yes, Paul wrote this prayer to the congregations in Ephesus, but he also wrote it for us. And I'm going to read it one more time. But this time I'm going to read it through the message version. It sounds a little bit different. Paul said, and it should be ours as well. My response is to get down on my knees before the Father. This magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit. Not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength. That Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly in love, planted firmly on love, planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all Christians the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breath. Test its length. Plumb the depths. Raise to the heights. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your own wildest dreams. And he does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah, in Jesus. Glory down all of the generations, everyone. Glory through all millennia. Oh, yes. I love the message version. It makes it very real. It's something we can truly hold on to and know that the word that was given through Paul over 2,000 years ago is true today and tomorrow. Amen. Amen.